Welcome to Naked Vocalist, episode 13. There is no music. That's it. I feel, I feel out, of, out of sorts. Do you know what? It's not that we don't want to play music. It's not that we don't want to expose you to what's wonderful out there. But the episode length is currently... So long. Unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we would drop the music just for this week um, and get straight into the nitty gritty... That, in fact, introducing the episode was Dan Cooper, vocal coach and singer. Can we check you out on Facebook, Dan? What's your, what's your deets? What my deets? Um, Facebook.com forward slash Dan Cooper singer vocal coach, I think. Wow. But I'll put that in the show notes, everyone. Great. That is thenakedvocalist.com forward slash podcast forward slash 13. And let me, tell you, let me tell you, it's not just because Dan's a good friend that he sat around the table talking. It's... Um, it's because he will benefit your life if you look at his website. That's what it comes down to. We're enriching people. Thank you. Through others. Via iTunes. <laughs> and other mediums. We've got one thing before we introduce the episode today. And that is massive. It's a massive feature. After a great response from the last episode, Lee is back, everyone. Hello, everyone. Lee Zebedee is a rocking singer. <laughs> He has got his, the biggest tip of the day for singers. Now, we've been doing this for ages, and we've been throwing out some advice and information on this podcast and blogs and everything, but honestly, this is powerful. We're going we're gonna to make an intro for this because it's so big, aren't we? We might even get a celebrity to come on and in, introduce it, do you think? That's probably worth Call in a few favours. Yeah. Sure Dan knows someone, do you, Dan? Um, yeah, we can find someone. I'd almost go as far to say that if you... You don't even want to listen to the rest of the podcast every episode from this point onwards. Just listen to this section. <laughs> so, so, here we go. Lee's big tip of the day. I'm not joining in well, on that. Oh. I've been thinking about this. And obviously, been singing for some time now. And my tip for today is to drink more water. And I always, right, before you jump in, I always say, don't have ice in your water. Because that just cools things down. <coughs> oh, there it was. Right. There it was. That was a big one, that one. Yeah. Breaking new ground. Thanks, Lee. Is that all right? Yep. Can I go? You can be quiet, please. So, I thought it was going to be better than that. Thank you. Goodbye. See you next week. Anyway, <laughs> on to the... Uh, on, on to the actual uh, the content today. We have the delightful Lynn Hilton um, talking to us about all kinds of subjects around uh, essentially um, singers being vocal athletes and the demands today on their voices and their careers. Yeah, we won't go into her history and experience right now because we do that in the episode anyway. So let's just say she knows her stuff. She's one of the leaders in the UK and uh, you, you just gained so much value from this episode. Absolutely. And she is also the uh, the the founder of Icing Magazine, which is the only magazine for singers that is out there available to download. It got released a few weeks ago. We feature in that magazine as article writers too. Um, so there's a lot of content in there, but because of her strong connection to that, um, don't don't miss out on the offer that she has given to all the listeners to The Naked Vocalist. There are six issues of this magazine per year, and she is offering a deal, basically, for you guys to get 
six for the price of three. Um, and all you need to do is go to the show notes, like we said, nakedvocus.com forward slash podcast forward slash 13. Go and check out the uh, the discount code that you can enter if you want to subscribe to the magazine. And it's only two bucks ninety nine. It's cheap enough if it is. Anyway, so you get them essentially for half price for a year. I mean, cost effective. Thank you, Lynn, very much. But do stick around for Lynn's interview because she talks a whole load of sense. So here we are on today's show. We are with uh, (laughs) Lynn Hilton, who is currently (laughs) warming up her voice with a straw. She is a true vocal nerd, as she has a straw to hand. She can't let it go. Can't let it go. Um, Lynn Hilton is a, a very experienced and accomplished uh, singer and vocal coach. Uh, sh- her background is in jazz singing. She has sung all over the world. She's lived in New York. She has been a nurse on film sets, met God knows how many actors doing that, and then, you know, the last... I don't know, I'm guessing, Lynn, but I think about 10, 11, 12 years you have spent being the the best vocal coach in the UK. Well, can I just say, I'll jump in there, Lynn, I'll say that normally Chris reads that information. He did not read that que- that information. Does I didn't that, even practice it. Does that scare you? Yeah, <laughs> it does. Have you been stalking me? I have written a book about you. I'm going to release was, it. Uh, was, was it a fair right. summary? Well, it's... It's funny because I look back and I think, how do I succinctly tell people what I've done? And um, Inside half an I, hour. <laughs> yeah, inside half an hour, and I can't. <laughs> um, but it has been a journey, there's no doubt about that. Yes, I did start off thinking that I was going to go and save the world by being a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd always sung and always been involved in music. Um, I played clarinet right up until I was like started my training and I was playing orchestrally <clears throat> and sang just as a hobby and then when I went to nursing I assumed that that was all I was going to do and I had in my mind a career in nursing and then one day um, I decided to go and have some singing lessons and as soon as I opened my mouth I realized actually music and singing are vital to my life mm. and I can't even believe that I stopped it for three years. Um, and then it, I just continued on this journey and because I'd already trained as a nurse, I sort of felt like, well, I you know, I, I do want to be a nurse, so I want to work at that. And then I was doing my singing and for a while I was doing those in tandem. And then eventually sort of it led me down the path of getting into jazz, which was something I'd always loved. Um, I can't say that I have actually performed around the world as a jazz singer, but I have done quite a lot of um, performance um, in that world. But it's hard, like I think like with a lot of um, areas in singing, it's it's hard to make it, and I realised I didn't have that right mindset to keep going at it. Mm-hmm. Then I had to figure out, well, what do I want to do? And I knew that I didn't want to continue nursing, and I didn't want to, because the whole career... Um, path had changed quite dramatically since I'd first started my training and so uh, naturally like I think with a lot of singers I took up teaching thinking that I knew what I was doing finding out very quickly that I knew nothing (laughs) other than how to get my voice sorted and in fact actually I didn't even know how to get my own voice Mm. sorted at that time so I realized actually if I want to teach I'm going to have to figure out my own voice and 
learn how to be a teacher. And it was during that process, I can remember very distinctly sitting, watching someone singing, and I was going, oh, my gosh, I know how to fix that. And then I was looking around because I was sitting there with a couple of my um, singer friends and I'm there and I could see that they were sitting there going, oh, I could do so much better than that. And I realised that I was this, a different kind of a singer. I wasn't the one that necessarily wanted to be on stage but one that wanted to help other people to mm. sing really well. And, and kind of back to that I'm nursing not. ethos of, like, yeah, again, helping people. That's Maybe, like maybe. Your caring side. part of my brainwashed brain saying, you know, <laughs> help people, heal them, yeah. <laughs> so, and I went in that pathway and I took up the film nursing because actually it was a compromise. Um, I was still utilising my qualifications, but I was working in the art world and um, it gave me time to continue to be building my own business um, because I sat on the set a lot of the time. Fortunately, there's not too much illness and sickness and um, death on uh, film sets, <laughs> not, not for real anyway. Um, and and then also I just felt like I was, you know, able to observe these people who were in the pinnacle of, of their careers as, as artists. So I feel very fortunate to have been able to take these pathways and it's what's kind of culminated in what I am today um I've just started well I'm in the middle of a master's in performing arts medicine which is just like I felt like as soon as I started reading about what it was about I just thought this is perfect it was made for me mm. bringing together the medical background and the performance interest and, and experience and being able to help the people that I'm working with you know to from a more holistic sort of point of view wow well, how did I get on that tangent? Sorry, but it's amazing. Yeah, Everything it's happens for a reason. Journey. I think it everything re- happens. You're right. Yeah, it does, you're and right. it, it just highlights your your <clears throat> like we know with a lot of a lot of vocal coaches and their journeys. That is your unique perspective on on voice, and for and for certain clients and many people out there, that's going to be massively beneficial. And I prob- you probably already spotted that. Yes, and um, and I feel really pleased that I can then I can offer all these things and experience. But it's a um, nice nice situation to be in, Lynn, that the fact that it's just your life has given you this tool and ability to do what you do. It's, it's an amazing thing, right? It is, but I also think that I've worked hard on it because I think for a long time I thought I was should be one thing or another because I came from that generation where you trained as something and then you stayed that until you got the gold watch. And life's changed, hasn't it? Absolutely. And the industry is reflective of that too. Gone are the days where you can go in thinking, I'm going to be the artist, that's it, full stop. You have to actually be adaptable and um, multi-skilled and prepared to have like two or three, maybe four or five tangents to your skill set and, um, and career. So I've just adapted, I suppose, along as a survivor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> with that, with that sort of helping people, sort of, we we'll call you vocal Gandhi, sort of, sort of, Gandhi. sort of angle. Interesting. Yes. Does that mean I'm going to have to walk around in bare feet? <laughs> yeah, just Please. quite casual. But do, doing good for the for the the, the 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 singing world. If so, you're doing good, it doesn't matter what you look like. Exactly. So we're going to draw on your um, many tangents of experience uh, for the. Uh, 
Yeah, for the next bunch of questions that we'd just kind of like to like to present to you to see if we can, um, yeah, get some get some knowledge out. Draw on your wisdom. Yeah, while but, you're here. Uh, Trip me up. The uh, the last point you made there, Lynn, actually leads very well onto the first question. Yep. Which uh, is excellent. So if I just hit you with it, what advice would you have for people out there who want to get the most out of their singing and musical endeavours? Right. Well. I think one of the first things is to understand it actually requires work. There's a perception out there, I think, that singing, you know, being a singer is is just about, well, you're born with a gift and you have a talent and that's it. You just stand up on stage and open your mouth and job's done. But it isn't really. And talent and gift may get you to some places. Actually, for some people, it doesn't get them anywhere, but it may get you into the place. But if you don't do the work that's required... Um, you won't be there for the long term. And, sorry, there's a buzzing, and I'm wondering if that's me. Could be me. It's gone. That's gone. Yeah. Um, So you have to have the right mindset. You have to be prepared to work hard. You've got to be conscientious, resilient, because there'll be, like, 99 no's out of 100, you know, with one yes, and then that yes, unless you're ready you know, you won't be able to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, You have to be adaptable, like I just said, and recognise that there's not just one pathway now. You might have several that are going at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be like a sponge too. I've noticed the people that succeed not just in in the performance world but, but also in you know, in everyday life, are the people who are constantly learning and and recognising that, you know, there's always something new that could be learnt that might help. You're probably going to have to sacrifice your social life. <laughs> Although um, I definitely have over, yeah. the, over, the, over the years. Uh, because, you know, when the average person is ready to sit down and, you know, chill out, you're going and working. Um, and, and maybe you're travelling with it uh, and you're probably tired as well when everybody else is ready to go. So relationships and family commitments might sort of uh, be affected in that way. But I think, like they say in um, real estate, location, 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 in in this industry it's about preparation, preparation, preparation. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole wide... that, That covers a wide variety of areas from, obviously, your voice, your performance skills, um making sure that you've got a good voice coach um, that's going to help you do that preparation um and someone who'll support you as well who who isn't there competing with you because there are some singing teachers and vocal coaches out there who would rather be on stage themselves um and then making sure that you're getting your your health and your physical and um fitness is going as well because it's it's not just about the voice the whole body has to be working efficiently you have to be well hydrated you have to make sure that you're eating the sort of things that support your your voice um and um so it might mean that you have you know if you're the sort of person who has reflux or allergies that there's certain changes that you need to make to your diet you need to drink more because your vocal folds need good hydration in order to work well you need to also know how to de-stress because 
um, if you get on stage and you're all stressed out, and I think many of us have been in that situation, you've had a busy day, you've been doing too many things before the gig, you roll up to the gig and then everything starts to go wrong, you get on stage and you open your mouth and it's like, <laughs> like that because you're so tense everywhere. So recognising that the whole body uh, will impact on the voice, you know, tension anywhere, especially in the neck, throat and shoulders will have an impact on the larynx and that's going to make singing harder for you. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to say that there's one easy fix and there's a button you can press which will make you the artist you want to be or the singer, the performer, but there isn't. Uh, it's a day at a time of just constant chipping at the old block, as, as yeah. they say. Mm, absolutely. And it just sounds like, you know, kind of kind of in summary that... Um, when you when you when you point out all those different things that you could adjust food hydration training the list goes on so much just every one of those that you knock down you just remove one level of limitation from your from your career and and Eve, that's like you said situation wise with um uh with your lifestyle and just being ready to go when they say yes um, you kind of have to create an environment where you can just get up and go. <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in, in every sense, you just it sounds like what you're saying is just you have to take all the limitations out so you are ready to do it no matter what. Mm. I mean, just quite simply, um, I often ask my uh, singers that I work with, so have you done any warm-ups or preparation you know, before you came to me? And... Mostly they'll say no. Not all of them, but um, there will be a lot that say no, especially when they when they first start with me. <laughs> and I'll say, why not? Because you could have been on the bus on the way over here or on the train or walking along and you could have bumped into the producer of your life, you know, the one that you've been dreaming of working with, and you aren't ready for the opportunity to sing to him mm-hmm. or her. Because and this, you know, is, and this is what you want, apparently. Well, of course, yeah. you want to be well, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I, I remember um, years ago, I got a gig on the back of being at a party, and someone said, "Oh, Lynn sings," and this guy had a venue, and he said, "Oh, well, sing me a song," and I just sang a song, and I had a like a one one and a half year residency out of it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's quite that's quite an impact to your income. Right. <laughs> So, um, did you still and, feel I mean, stupid singing at a matter party though? Because <laughs> I know it's like you've got to do it, but when somebody says to me, "Can you sing to me?" and if I do it, I still feel a little bit silly. I know I, there is that that moment, and I think we all have it. Mm-hmm. But it's the difference between those that hesitate and do it anyway, and those that hesitate and don't. don't. Yeah. So that's about mindset, isn't it? Yes. So if, first of all, if your voice is ready to go, you know that that's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is like, well, hang on a minute. This is what I want to do, and this is an audience anyway. Yes. Absolutely. So it's getting, just putting yourself in that place. You know, I think we, a lot of us, have dreamed, dreamt about it, but um, that's all it is. It's just a dream. And then there are others who've gone and said, actually, no, this has got to be my reality. Do Do you think then that the singing? Like anything else in life, you apply yourself, you get into what it is, you remove all the limitations, you optimise everything in that, um, you continue to learn. It's kind of the same for anything else in life you want to, um, you want to nail, isn't it? Why do, you, do you think there is a difference with singing and singers, and if so, why do you think that is? 
Do you think, I mean, is it, is it because it's just accepting what is and the fact that you, anyone can open their mouth and produce a sound? That's enough, you know, whereas other things in life you may actually need to get, you may not know it quite as well, it may not come quite as personally, so it might be a harder thing to, um, to realise that you need to work at it. Well, I think you were, you know, you made the point that you made about it's personal. Right. Singing is very personal. Being a nurse, you know, going about giving injections, wiping someone's bottom, <laughs> um, <laughs> helping helping to look after them, you know, taking their observations. That's not personal. That's a job. It's a task. Mm. Um, but when it comes to anything creative, whether it's uh, anything in the performing arts or the arts world, it is per- a pers- it's a personal expression of yourself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, people are always afraid of a judge. Well, not always. Some people aren't. But it's the judgment. Right. It's like, well, maybe someone won't like my voice or maybe they don't think it's good enough or uh, maybe if it cracks, then it demonstrates that I'm not talented. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's interpretation. And, and what I'm trying to say is actually... Yes, okay, so we may have a baseline of talent, but actually we may have no baseline of talent uh, when it comes to singing, uh, but uh, ultimately it is a task. Mm. It requires certain sort of muscle coordination. There's a nervous system, you know, that helps to make sure that everything's functioning correctly. There's also... The environment, you know, if that's set right, then the whole job's going to be easier. Um, so there is that element too, and I think people don't. And that's taking it less personal, isn't it? it? That's mm. kind of just looking at it as a task, like you said, and um, taking the personal aspect out of it and approaching it in a in a logical way. Which I, I think what you're intimating is it just helps you resolve issues a little easier, doesn't it? Yeah, there's this quote that I love quoting by a dancer called La Mary, and it's, the only reason for mastering technique is to make sure that the body doesn't prevent the soul from expressing itself. Good, wicked. Mm. And I think that's what drives me with regard to the way that I approach um, technique and uh, any, any kind of practical, technical stuff that people need to do in order to be able to express themselves creatively. Because from an audience's point of view, I'm selfish. I want you to be able to express yourself creatively because it takes me on a journey. It puts me in a place of pleasure and um, or it makes me, you know, dream. And that's where I want to be. And so if, if you can be free to do all that, then I receive that on my end when, as I'm sitting there watching you and listening to you. So ultimately that's what drives everything that, you know, my, the way that I focus um, my training. Uh, so whilst I recognise that um, the technical side needs to be dealt with, the physical side, I also have this um, sort of selfish um, goal, which is to unleash that creativity. Mm, awesome. Okay, let's move on to the next question. Um, what are the vocal challenges that singers can face day to day and how can they prepare themselves for them? Well, in the contemporary world in particular, there's been this tradition of not having any vocal training or not having any kind of training. It's like, oh, you're born with a gift and you go out and you share it. Yeah. So you're constantly fighting that. You don't, you don't have to um, 
fight that when you're in the classical world or the musical theatre world. So that that's that's one of the things prevailing issues I find, you know, for singers who suddenly do get thrown into this arena and then realise that actually there's more to it than they thought. Um, and and the industry doesn't support it. So I think that's a constant challenge. Uh, so the people who make career decisions for you, like your manager and your producer and the record label, um, don't necessarily understand the importance of that. Not always. Mm. Some do. So there's that. Um, and also with recording studios as they are, they can cover up so many <laughs> problems and issues and glitches, can't they? I mean, they can totally correct your voice if you've been off pitch they can warm it if you know you're sounding too toppy you know there's a whole bunch of stuff they can cover it up with layers of other sort of stuff like reverb and and other voices to to make up um your deficits but when you go out into the live arena it's exposed it's suddenly exposed and vulnerable and so if you haven't necessarily been training for that live arena um that can be a challenge too. The other thing which I've, which has changed a lot even since I've been on the scene is that there's not so many live opportunities. So getting live gigging experience where you cut your teeth has really reduced. I mean, when you think about um, the entertainment world right up until probably the last, I'd say, 10, 15 years in particular, um, there were always places that you could go and sing, um, not only, uh, you know, for pubs or clubs, you know, that kind of arena. There, um, you used to be able to uh, get jobs singing jingles live, you know, so people were advertising their wares and you, they'd have live singers doing the jingle. Um, there's, because of the... The, um, the internet as well, it, there's a lot of session work now that gets sort of shipped out around the world. So you're competing not just with your local people, but you're competing with the rest of the world because now you just get an MP3 shot at you, you'll open up Pro Tools or Logic or whatever, sing into your nice mic at home and Bob's your uncle. The producer or writer can get anybody in the world to sing their song. Mm. So they're not looking so much locally. So I think there's a lot less opportunities for singers to go out and cut their teeth and the other thing is that because of the big change and shift in the music industry from their big labels to now you know it's much more um well it's much smaller in uh, financially and also uh in the way they operate uh, with digital downloading and you know the, no albums etc the music industry doesn't have the money that they used to to help nurture artists so that if you do go down that path of being a signed artist, there's no more of this spending two years in the recording studio developing yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and finding your sound and, and, and your unique selling point or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. you like to call it. Um, so I think those things make it harder now because the singer is now or any artist really, is now having to take on that responsibility of their own artist development. They're having to take on the responsibility of finding opportunities to gig so they can improve their skill set, you know, as performers and understand audiences and um, just get used to being in the live setting, working with a band, etc. And then the industry, you know, there just isn't the money there to help develop you.
No. That, and Kate Bush is one of those examples. They spent years developing her before they released her, didn't they? Getting that right sound. But it's interesting what you say about the performing because um, uh, performance opportunities definitely have dropped. I think that's also related to the economic sort of situation of venues being not being yeah. able to pay artists. But um, when you when you get someone who has been signed and then they go and, and the record company wants them to make money and, and everyone wants that, then um, actually the money is in the touring. And so you go from not being able to cut your teeth or experience like the stamina needed of live shows and then you have to tour every night, more so than they did back in the day, to get the revenue. And so, yeah, that I think... Yeah, it's an interesting point you make. That's where singers can really cave in, isn't it? Mm. And it's the same... Yeah, the other thing, too, is that you've got on top of that, if you get signed, you've got interviews, you've got a schmooze, um, you, you have your sound check sort of on the same day. Um, that night you've got to um, do your gig and then you're travelling to get to the next place because they're trying to reduce their costs. Yes. So there's no getting in there and... And maybe it's the same for you guys, you know, if you're doing function work around the place, it might be that you have, you you need to take two or three gigs in a row, but they could be one end of Britain to the other. Yeah, and they often are, and some, mm. some days it's like, you know, you might you might travel travel for a gig, um, get home very late, have maybe four hours sleep, then go and teach for a whole day, drive to another gig. Mm. Um, and then get home at 3am again. And you might do that the next night. So, yeah, sometimes mm. the, the voice use combined with the lack of sleep and probably mm. um, uh, motorway nutrition <laughs> mm. um, all, all adds up by Monday, doesn't it, sometimes, it's with the like schedule? This thing is life counteracts the uh, what you want to get out of it, really. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a constant struggle, isn't it, yeah. to try and balance that lifestyle with something that's actually healthy. So uh, I mean, I think that's always kind of being around. Like, if you read about, so the old rockers and the jazzers who were touring uh, back in the 50s and 60s, you know, they sat on a bus overnight and then arrived and then did a sound, sound check or rehearsal and then they did their gig and then they're on the bus. Um, so I guess that hasn't changed a huge amount. Mm-hmm. Um, that still continues. But, yeah, I think there's, there, there are a lot more pressures as well on being everything. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got to be the leader, the, the, the artist, and then you've got to do the practical side as well. If you're a developing um, artist, you may be managing yourself as well, you know, doing the calls to find the gigs and... Um, selling your CDs and mm. um, looking after your own um, band, you know, trying to get the band together, doing the rehearsals. And yeah, there's a lot a lot of stuff happening, you know, that, for the singer. I th- and maybe that's the singer's thing as well. I don't know if a bass player would necessarily have to worry about all that stuff. They just turn up, play their bass, off they go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> some, if any bassists are listening to this, they will be, they'll be after you, Lynn. Um, is it, no, is... they'll be going... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that, that's I just I just sort of wave a jack plug in the air and it's sorted. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're a band leader, you know, yeah. Yeah. most instrumentalists they just turn up to their gig, so they can they can spend the rest of their time shredding, you know. Yeah, absolutely. They have, they're not looking for the gigs. They're not having to find you know the headspace to be the the person communicating with the audience. No, and you know what as well. What what kind of just sort of springs to my mind with that is um. If I was a bass player, I'd probably get a lot more inebriated because uh, 
you can you can rely, can't you, on your bass to play the right note, as pr- provided you've tuned it. But I don't know how people can throw drinking and partying into the mix as a singer when the schedule gets to a certain way. I just I just don't know how people can manage it. Well, some people don't, not vocally. <laughs> no, I, I still have careers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the amount of people that come that say to us, "Oh, do you want a beer?" No, we can't because we're singing, and they are. Absolutely shocked. Yeah, this they? guy was like, um, you're in a band. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, That's yeah. Not rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't believe it, could he? Yeah. I think he was like, you know, he was a bit of a rugby guy, liked to drink, but he was so, he was just, are you sure? And we're like, yes, get me a water and a cocktail straw. <laughs> and no ice. <laughs> so and that's um, the way it's been for the last sort of seven years. So, so it seems as a summary there, Lynn, the past two questions really, and, you know, it's likely that if you want a career in, in singing, for the most part, it's about working really hard across the... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's consistent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just... Um, it's making sure that you take responsibility for your instrument. I mean, a bass player is not going to go throwing his bass around. Mm-mm. And, and I guess have, drinking is the equivalent of throwing your bass around in, you know, in the voice. So taking responsibility for your instrument, finding someone who can help you to strengthen it, increase the stamina, control it. And when I say control it, I don't mean it in sort of... I think a lot of people get worried when, they, when they're contemporary singers that if you go to a singing teacher, someone's going to make you sound like an opera singer mm. and that's control. Actually, it's no, it's just about being able to take what you have and to be able to um, make decisions, create decisions without any limitations. And you're not going to get that in, unless you understand your instrument and how it works yeah. and how to use it efficiently and effectively. And then the other stuff which you talked about earlier, which is, you know, looking after your health, like you guys said, avoiding illness, um, <laughs> you know, that the amount of times people have just looked at me with the sort of blank face when I've said, well, if you've got a cold, I won't be able to come out or, you know, I won't, you, you can't come in or you can't come near me. It's like, you don't understand. A cold is like three days of work lost to me. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I can't not sing or not be able to teach singing. And, um, you know, the amount of people say, oh, no, it's all right. It's, it's you know, it's got past the, the, past the infectious stage. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm a nurse. I know what I'm talking yeah. about. Is she, are, they, are, they, are they a pathogen expert? I don't <laughs> yeah. think so. Um, I, I've had three students this year who've come in and gone, I've gone, cool, you look terrible. They're like, yeah, I've got glandular fever. Get out! <laughs> Jesus! That's the most infectious thing ever. <laughs> but I'm not going to kiss you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Just only, yeah, it's only if we make out. Like, but no. Do you know what, Lynn? You know, I, you, you, you'll be with me on this, I'm sure. I, I, again, a slightly deep and a slightly out there, I cannot help but think that colds and things they're just accepted in today's society like a lot of other things and it really does is i know colds are common and the chance you get on one is high dependent on immunity and all that kind of stuff but there's a there's a there's a root cause for everything isn't there and so if if things are if you're not on top of your if you're not on top of yourself and on top of your health uh-huh. then that's going to lead to other things as well in singing Absolutely. and so it, all round just try not to get a cold yeah. yeah, by eating so well it's and about sleeping good. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, preventative um, care, medical care is 
I think if I hadn't gone down the path that I am now, I would have gone down um, natural therapies and, um, you know, homeopathic sort of mm. line, yes. really, because I think it's more about prevention. Absolutely. There were so many times when I, when you'd, a patient would come in and you'd, you'd get their history and then you'd find out about the process that led them up to this point in time of, of their hospitalisation and you go, there's so many points that was, which this could have been prevented. Right. Um, I mean, sometimes it's not, you know, it's un- unlucky, sort of drawing the unlucky straw, but mm-hmm. for a lot of health problems like cardiac problems, respiratory problems, uh, liver problems, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, in fact, if people, I, I think there would be a huge reduction, like massive, over 50% reduction in hospitalizations um, if people amended their diet, stopped mm. smoking, didn't drink too much, exercised. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Lim. Oh, totally. So hey, great stuff. So we've got the, we've got a final question coming yeah, up. I'm really interested in this one, Lim, because of your background and everything. There's a lot of there's a lot of warm up strategies online. You find them anyway. You know, everyone's got their kind of take on it. But with your with your background and everything that you've done, what kind of strategy do you find works best when building a like an effective practice routine? Oh, a practice routine. Well, I think like everything, the first thing is to acknowledge that it's a very individual thing and that you might need to experiment a little bit until you find things that work for you. And the other thing is to recognise that there's going to be some some times when you need to change your routine in a way. Um, like you might have a routine for when you're warming up, getting ready for a gig, as opposed to a routine practice routine that you have when you're developing your voice, as opposed to a practice routine that you have when you're coming out of illness or tiredness, um, as opposed to a routine that you might have together when you just need to get your voice sorted quickly. So um, I think if in the ideal world, for me, and I try to encourage my students where possible to take this into account, is getting the body ready first before you start focusing on the voice. So doing physical stretches. Um, And in fact, I devised a a routine where they're doing a physical stretch whilst they're doing a vocal stretch, Mm. um, which is kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I can imagine. Starting sort of uh, at the, the neck and throat, shoulders... Um, the sides, um, the flanks, so getting your um, intercostal muscles ready for the process, loosening the hips up um, and, and your back as well. So those while you're, while you're doing certain vocal exercises, it's kind of trying to be efficient, I suppose. Um, and the straw, I mean, I think that's been a revelation for me. Oh, completely. Um, so yes, if you, if you haven't heard about the straw method, then I think you guys talk about it at some point, don't you? We, yeah, in podcast number one, and we, uh, we've done a video on it in, on YouTube, but yeah, it's just a revelation. Mm. So that just gets the vocal folds going. So I, I think a lot of people don't realise how the vocal folds move. They think they just come together, or maybe sometimes they don't even realise that, but they undulate, you know, they oscillate and, uh, just get that motion going. Because um, people can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I just realised. Yes, yeah, so I'm making this oscillation movement with my hands. Um, so getting that happening first, and and then start 
getting the exercises going that will help to uh, develop sort of the the bridge area, whatever those are. I don't, I can't be very specific because every voice type will require a different exercise. So, understanding what your voice needs are and then understanding the exercises that will help address those needs is really vital in in developing your practice routine and finding your own home exercises there there are always for me it's the the mm, mm, mm sound and uh, nay nay nays if i want to get a nice edgy sound nasty nays get me in there every time but not everybody's like that um I work with a guy who he has to start with a very bratty open R sound every time. That would kill my voice. But um, some, sometimes that's what works. And so you're figuring out what works for your voice first and then finding some home exercises. And then when you're doing your practice, like when you're in the development stage of your practice where you have time to think about it, then applying the deliberate practice strategies. Do you know about those? No, you can elaborate. So um, there's a guy called Anders Ericsson, and he was the one that uh, has been doing studies on expertise and how people become experts. And, you know, you may have heard that phrase, um, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. Yeah, so it comes from his studies. And one of the things that he recognised about all the people that he um, interviewed and studied was that not only did they have these 10,000 hours before they got to the expert level, except for one guy who was about 9,000 hours, um, but also they had a very specific way of practising and developing their skills. And that included a few components. Um, One of them was slowing it down, really slowing down the exercise. I sometimes get my students to slow down the exercise to one beat Per minute, um, if we sort of if we're just really slow, so that the voice really finds that place and doesn't can't skim through it and and sort of snatch you know, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So really slowing down the exercise and repeating it. So if you you do one key, stay in that key for three goes before you shift up to the next key. Um, and then also chunking it down so you're not giving yourself um, masses to do, you know, just finding like two or three goals that you want to achieve in your practice, um, maybe even one, uh, because I think you mentioned it in a previous podcast as well, um, uh, less more frequently with regards to practice is, is much more effective. So if you're going to reduce the amount of time but do it more frequently, then say you spend five, ten minutes in the morning, just focus on one goal for that particular exercise um, and that practice. Then the um, other thing that they do, people do, is that they challenge themselves. They give themselves an exercise or a challenge that is just a little bit beyond what they can do. It's not too far, um, but it challenges them. So if, if it's easy for you, then that's not actually going doing good practice. If you're finding it, so challenging that you want to give up, then that's not good either. So you want it just a little bit beyond your ability right now. Um, then the other thing that they want to do is oh, that they set goals and they get feedback. They t- get feedback from themselves. So in the instance, instance of um, 
singing practice, you record yourself and you listen back as you go along. Did I achieve my goal? Say, say you're working on um, getting a stronger tone in your middle range. You've selected the exercise you want to do, what scale it is, what sound, um, and you know what it wants, what you want it to sound like. So listen back each time you go through that 60 beats a minute and say, did I achieve it that time? And I'll tell my students to score it from one to five. So one being that was rubbish, <laughs> um, five being that was absolutely what, you know, the best it can be right now. I'm not talking about ever. I'm just talking about right now, what I can achieve. Because obviously when we're developing, um, there are certain points at which we know we can't go any further because it's going to take a few weeks or months or whatever. So why be saying to yourself, well, that wasn't a five because I didn't get it perfect, you know, which is the end line product. But I got five for what I can achieve today. The rest that um, needs to be achieved will only happen over time. And then three is like, you know, it was okay, but there's room for development. So when you're listening back to yourself and you say, okay, so I give myself a three out of five for that. Don't just say three out of five because or two out of five because you don't want to give yourself a good score. Don't look at it that way. Look at it from the point of view of what did I achieve? Did I achieve that goal or didn't I? And if I didn't achieve it, what do I need to do in order to get the five? So do I need to open my mouth more? Do I need to make the sound uh, different? Am I keeping to the vowel that I'm supposed to be um, doing? Um, am I standing in the right way have I got the right mindset so just explore yourself and figure out did I set this up absolutely optimally to succeed so getting yourself getting feedback from yourself is really important because if you can't give yourself feedback I mean you're the person that's with you 24 7 so you've got to become your own your best teacher and then secondly, go to an expert, so someone you trust who does know, so whether it's your singing coach or if it's someone that you've heard about that, you know, does this, is really good at this sort of thing, see if you can get a, uh, a lesson with them or a Skype session and get them to give you feedback and then some ideas. So feedback's a really important part of it as well. And then most importantly is repetition. Uh, I think a lot of people do the exercise and go, oh, that was rubbish, and then they go on to the next one. Actually, you have to do that a few times before the muscle memory starts to, uh, well, sometimes it takes three weeks, you know, for muscle memory to develop on, the, you know, doing it on a daily basis. It just depends which muscles you're working on. But, um, you know, repetition is really important. Don't think that just doing it once or twice is enough. Um, so you repeat it until you've got your five and recognise that it's not enjoyable. So people who get to the expert level of whatever they do don't necessarily expect enjoyment out of their practice session. Whereas I think a lot of singers come into it going, well, I just want to love singing, and if I'm not loving it, then I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going in that direction. And it's like, okay, so yes, when you get up on stage, you want to be in the place where you have a great flow and you're loving what you're doing and everyone is loving what you're doing as well. But the work that you do prior to that, that's the hard work and that's the stuff that isn't enjoyable. Um, and I, I often liken it to when people go to the gym, they don't expect to look attractive while they're doing their, um, you know, pumping their iron. <laughs> do they? They're sweaty, they go red. I look amazing then, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, except for you guys, of course. Um, so... 
why, you know, it's the same in your vocal practice. It won't always sound great and it won't always sound uh, perfect, but ultimately you're working towards developing the muscle coordination and the neural pathways and the experience that when you get on stage, bang, you know, the soul is free to, you know... Express. Show itself. Mm -hmm. I guess with that, Lynn, that point there is, is really... Yeah, it's a really great point. Is that... For people that are looking to be optimal, looking to be the best they can be, because I guess that is there is there a place for people that you know they may not want to apply themselves so much. They they actually might want to enjoy a bit of their practice, but then you've got to accept that perhaps if that's the case, there's balance in life, and you might not actually be the best singer that you can be, but you might enjoy things as you go along more. Is well, it's always relative. Yeah, it? yeah. I mean, like if I have a hobbyist singer coming in, I probably wouldn't say all that stuff. Mm, mm, mm. I'm talking about people who want to make a career out of Yeah, absolutely. And, and they express their desires as well. Some, you know, if, if you, Hypothetically, you might get someone who may want to look at their voice in that enjoyment way, but have goals of, you know, high, of a high technical nature, and it's about trying to find that, that tactful way of saying, okay, but by whimsically... Whims, what word is it? Whims whimsically. Whimsically approaching this... Um, you won't achieve your goals without stepping outside of that and, uh, and yeah, removing the expectance of enjoyment from it and approaching it in a tactical way. Yeah, and look, I've known many artists who haven't put any of that work in and still had successful careers. Oh, yeah, in, in, that, in that very unlikely situation that what you're doing right now is exactly what the public want, then that's probably one of the perfect situations, isn't it? It requires no work... I just got to do what I do, and people love it. And there have been, I guess, someone like Johnny Cash might spring to mind like that. He just has to be his gritty self, mm. and well, th that was his Dylan success. And Bob Dylan, have, yeah, yeah. But and and they're separate things for me. Um, it's like when people often will sort of say, "Oh, who's your favourite singer? Who do you think's got the greatest voice?" And when I um, choose my preferences, well, I don't choose them; they just happen, don't they? Mm -hmm. When I start to analyse it, I'm, I don't actually make choices based on someone having a great voice. I base it on how they make me feel and the musicality and, and whether I can relate to their, um, their singing or their songs um, or the music. So, for instance, Sting is one of my most favourite artists and he is by far thoroughly not the best technical singer. He managed a career pushing his voice for X amount of time and then it went, nah, you know, no more, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, so now he sings on a very limited range and he's had to drop a lot of things down and it, the vocal quality isn't there that it was when he was with police. But he's had his career and he's still creating so he's taken what he's got and he's still creating, you know, and and that's what interests me when I'm listening to artists. And then there's the very few who manage to bring the two together and someone like Eva Cassidy mm. does as well. And But I think that even if she didn't have that range, even if she didn't have that vocal control, I would still love her because she has an amazing, there's some, you know, what comes out in her musicality and her voice is, is something else. It's beyond having good technique. It's it's about being able to touch people's soul. Mm. She'd be more of a Karen Carpenter, wouldn't she, in that if, sense? If she didn't have the range? Yes. 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, and exactly. Karen Carpenter, I don't think she ever sings much past an A or a B roof. flat. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. But but she she has such a beautiful tone. Yeah. Um, that it's and in fact, I don't know if you've ever sort of read anything about her, but when she first started, because you know she she was on a drummer. And when she was first started to sing, she was singing because she came like she was in the 60s, wasn't she, and 70s. And so her influences would have been the 50s pop singers and they were much more um, legit. There's much more legit sort of um, tone to the white singers. So she she was singing like that and her brother told her to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was just by accident that she sang something in her low range and then they were recording and he just went, whoa, you know, because he's very good producer and musician and he recognised that there was something really magic about her recorded voice and I find that that too, I don't know if people realise that sometimes the electronic um, aspect of the voice, of, of um, delivering your voice can make a huge difference and some people's voices are more um, inclined towards microphones and others are not Right. I don't know if you've ever recognise that mine's definitely inclined towards microphones yeah and you you're bound to say that aren't you <laughs> see I'm, I'm that was a very microphone. narcissistic uh, uh, <laughs> statement it? by me but it's true uh, <laughs> the microphone loves me <laughs> that's essentially it <laughs> or your voice um, I, that must be something to do with frequencies yeah some people just are more recordable it's like being photogenic but for the voice right <laughs> exactly and look everyone says to me you're so photogenic and then, of course, I get paranoid because I think, oh, my God, do I really look ugly in real life? <laughs> <laughs> no, but to be fair, Lynn, just to, just to fill everyone in at home, mm. your new profile picture on Facebook did get 75 likes yeah. because of the photogenic <laughs> nature of it. You so, were just... It was just... just I could do Facebook. it now. There it is. There it is. Um, it was a beautiful yeah. picture, so you, you really do take a good photo. Well done. Well Thank you. Done. I know how to... Look, do you know what? Ooh. I practised that. I'm not kidding. Because I used to have photos that I, I hated, you know, my double chin and I was in the wrong angle and everything. And um, I don't know where I must have read something about there are certain angles and certain tricks that you can do to make sure that you get a good photo. And I practice them. Sweet. I am not kidding you. <laughs> For your Facebook your picture. And then you applied, you applied yourself, you learn about stuff. <laughs> You've got the right mindset. See? And look at you now. Dedicated. You took the enjoyment so out of it. Pose. When, <laughs> seriously, when, so, when someone takes a photo, I actually do some things to make sure that I get a photo that I'm not going to hate. Blue st- you need to name it like, like Zoolander does. You need to name it like <laughs> blue, blue Steel or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. We'll just right. call it, you know, Hot Iron. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, so just to wrap us up, I mean, Lynn, you are you are by far the most productive woman um, I have ever met, and uh, you have your finger in many pies. Um, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about your exciting projects that are that are pending or in place? Oh, there's a bunch of things I'm involved in, but um, the things that are preoccupying me at the moment is the VIP, Vocology in Practice. Um, we're reshuffling the organisation and there's some very exciting things coming out of that for teachers who are interested in being part of the association. Um, so working sort of more from an educational point of view with regards to helping t- teachers you know, develop their 
um, understanding of voice. And then sort of on a similar theme, I run a um, course called uh, Become a Singing Teacher. So there's a lot of singers out there who naturally progress towards teaching because it's a great way of supplementing their income, but they don't really know how to get started. And there's no courses out there, really, um, unless you prescribe to a particular technique that might have some kind of um, uh, pedagogy or progressive um, training course. So with my course, it's not so orientated towards a particular technique, but more about the craft of being a singing teacher. Um, in a private setting, and I've just licensed that um, teaching course so that people uh, who want to train other people to be teachers can license that course, and um, and I train them to become trainers. Cool. So that's um, developing, and I'm also going to be putting the course itself online because I'll get um, requests from all over the world, you know, because it's just where else do you go? And um, so I'm just developing a way of doing that online. And then I have recently, my latest um, addition to my... um, Repertoire. Repertoire, yes, has been publishing. And I'm about to launch a digital magazine uh, through iTunes for singers it's very uh, orientated towards uh, contemporary and and industry so it's a there's nowhere really that singers can go to find out all the things that we're talking about plus you know how do I put my image together um what else uh, if I want you know if someone wants to delve into session singing how do I get started on developing the skills and and uh, craft of being a singing a session singer sorry um we look into vocal technique uh we have um i've just hooked up uh recently with um the uh what do you call them um so my brain's just gone blank the stylist the fashion stylist for a couple of really really major artists and so we're going to interview him about how he helps them with their image and styling and how artists or anybody really um, can start to develop their own look. Uh, And what's the best best part about the magazine, the best Mm. bit? Well, well, there's these two guys that I know and Mm. I felt very sorry for them because (laughs) (laughs) they like to talk about vocal technique and style and everything. So I thought, well, you know, let's give them something to do. And uh, I've got them involved. And, yeah, I think you might know them. This oh. is, that's, emba- that's embarrassing. Backfired that oh, open So uh, embarrassed. It's us. No. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's embarrassing. You're so so yeah. kind, Lynn. No. Yeah. No. And you said it like we had nothing else to do. No, right. we do. I, was, I feel very lucky, actually, to have you guys. Thank you. I really you. do. Thank you. Because you're passionate about what you do. And, this, and to be honest, being a vocal nerd isn't always the most glamorous of roles, but you guys do glam it up a bit. And you make it exciting and you make it fun. And also you're open-minded. I think that's really important. I think it's really easy to get tied into one particular way. But there isn't just one particular way, just as there aren't one, there isn't just one particular way of singing. And I think that's really important and that's why I'm so excited that you guys are on board. So you will be sharing your 
experience and knowledge and things that you're discovering, talking about how a singer can... I think we're starting off with warming up, aren't we? That's right. <clears throat> some very There were some good hints in there, and, um, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how that progresses. Um, what else have we got? Um, oh, I've got oh, a fantastic interview with a, actually a friend of yours and her group. Um, so Katie Holmes, the singer, not the actress, mm-hmm. um, is working with a, um, a vocal group called Band of Voices, and what's really unique about these guys is that they all, they're all session singers. So they all do backing vocals and work for main big artists. So they're sharing their experience as backing vocalists and how they got the job, what the job entails, um, you know, and what kind of things you need to do in order to, if you want to take that pathway. And they sing us a song. Oh, and they are too good. You can check them out on YouTube, can't you? But they were on Britain's Got Talent last year. That's right. And uh, they all... um, I mean, Katie has been on tour with Leona and Professor Green for, like, the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, so that sounds like a huge resource for singers and something that really is um, unique out there. You can't get it anywhere else. So where can um, people go to find that resource? Well, eventually, it hasn't been launched yet, but it will be available through iTunes... And then uh, we're just putting the website up as well so that um, people can access the information there. If anybody wants to know who you are and where to find you, where do they do that then? Right. Well, if they can find out who I am, they could let me know. That'd be great. They just need to email. (laughs) 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 I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay, I've got a website, www.lynne, spelled L-I-N-E, line, lynnhilton.com. Don't call her that, by the way. She'll go mental, won't you? <laughs> oh, no, I get called Lion or Liney at dear. home at all. all I, I was terrified of saying that to you. Do you get called uh, a Linny? Do you get called a Linny as well? Linny at home, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lion... Uh, <laughs> Lion Hilton, but it's pronounced Lynn, dot com. Yeah, and then Lynn at LynnHilton.com or Lion at LionHilton.com cool. uh, if they want to email me about any, any of the things that I've spoke about today. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. It has been a wealth of knowledge, and uh, like I say, we will um, we will put links in the show notes to um, uh, uh, to everything that you've said, any resources that you pointed towards, and obviously uh, the magazine, the big one, the big one. Awesome. Yeah. So, and we hope to have you on again in the future. I look forward to it, and thanks very much for uh, for having me. And I think this is a kind of conversation that can go on and on and on, can't it? Absolutely. We should do a three-parter. Should we do that? We should do that. Yeah, we <laughs> should do a three-parter. So, uh, so thank you, Lynn, and enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. See, see you, you later. soon, Lynn. Bye. There she goes, the wonderful Lynn Hilton. Hope you enjoyed that and, and gained some some brilliance from that, and you can use that in your singing careers. Now, next session, what have we got, Chris? We have got... Hopefully, some very strong advice around singing technique. We're going to take a bit of a Q&A, so if you do have any questions around your singing voice, vocal health, vocal technique, anything like that, just go along to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash TNVQuestions, and feel free to leave us a message um, or a post with your question and then we can feature it in the next Q&A. But either way, we're going to get into some serious singing next time, aren't we? We are. Also on the Facebook page, as you, as you just mentioned it, we ran a competition recently to give away a free 
desktop version of Vocalize You, the most incredible singing app in the world. And um, we're yet to actually release the winner, but we'll be doing that shortly. We're also running a competition every month, just like that one. So if you didn't get involved in the last one, head over to the Facebook page, like the page, and go to... Was it something about notifications or something at the top? You have to oh, on the like button. When you've liked it, if you click it again, it brings down a drop-down box which says "Receive all notifications." So that will make sure that anything that we post up, which isn't tosh or spam, um, you will receive in your newsfeed. So you will never, ever miss one of these wonderful competitions again. You might even get a few photos of us. In yeah, your feed, which you can save and use it, will give you permission to use them on your websites if you want to. If you want to, yeah, just if you want to. That's Facebook. That's episode thirteen. See you in fourteen for some singing. Bye for now. <laughs>